0: Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have another episode that's happening. We have on our couch a massage therapy student. Have we had, have we had students in here before? I don't think so. Nice. You're a first. No,
1: yay. that's a lie. Damn we had, it. no, well, okay. This is a different situation. We had a massage therapy student who was already a practicing uh, manual osteopathic practitioner. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. And we are talking to Natalia Filanova, who is in Massage Therapy College at Kakawa, And she has a degree in health sciences, kinesiology from mm-hmm. York. She has been in the wellness industry for, I think we decided off, Mike, it's 10 years now. You're on 10 years. Uh,
2: yeah. Well, yeah. Remember I said um, the first time I
1: worked out was in 2007. Oh, right. So that would be 12 years. Yeah. I can do math. And <laughs> uh, she works as a personal trainer and has done other things in the industry, which I'll let her talk about, and now is studying to become a RMT. Thanks for hanging out on the couch today. Thank you for having me.
0: Right on. Let's jump right into it. Why massage therapy? Like you, you graduated from York. You have your degree in kinesiology and health science. You're way into the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. You know, this sounds very familiar, by the way. <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds like my life. Um,
3: and mine.
0: How did? Yeah, yeah. Well.
1: York. Except for York, sorry. Yeah, that,
0: that's <laughs> what matters. Because let's face it, York's program, kin program, like slaughters Westerns. It
1: really does. Sorry, Western. York it's actually has of, a
0: really awesome program. It's got one of the best kin programs mm-hmm. in the country. Mm-hmm. How do you go from? Can you see all? Are you are you registered with the College of no. Kinesiologists? No? no. No, no, no. Don't have an interest. Be Don't bothered? have an
2: interest. Yeah. Nope. Um, I knew going in, I knew from 16, I was like, I got to be a personal trainer. Like, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. It wasn't as smoothly, um, like the run wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be, but I ended up being a personal trainer. And it's the one thing I love doing. However, I have been in it for a very long time. Um, And like I mentioned before, I mean, I wanted to go back to school to be some sort of therapist, like A long time ago, mm-hmm. long, long time ago. Um, and I was going back and forth physiotherapy, athletic therapy, massage therapy, I was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, you know, I turned 32, I realized uh, massage therapy is the most hands on kind of therapy there is out there. Um, there's a high demand for them, mm-hmm. um, especially you know, working at the spa in Coburg. I realized, holy moly, like. There's so much need for massage therapists. Where are they? And then I was like, okay, I'm 32. I'm not getting any younger. I have nothing to lose now. Let's just do this now. Let's just go into school.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: like, makes a lot of sense. What made you think at 16, I want to be a personal trainer? Um, I already was in love with the fitness industry. I was already pretty active at that time. And I was just intrigued by watching personal trainers and how they get people moving and stuff like that. And over the years, it just became more of the body aspect. It wasn't even about weight loss. It wasn't even about aesthetics anymore. It was about, Mm -hmm. holy, like you can make huge changes with your body Mm -hmm. just getting physical. That sounds like my life. I was 17 when I
1: decided I wanted to be a trainer. Mm -hmm. So I understand, like I was in the gym and I would watch all of it. And then I actually went and spoke to the manager of the gym that I was a member of and Mm -hmm. said, are you guys hiring? Like, I just wanted to work at the front desk. I just wanted to be there. And they groomed me and trained me and then I started taking courses and I actually became a personal trainer before I even went into
0: kinesiology because Mm. I just loved it so much. I I totally get it too. Because I I was the same. I didn't think I, I I didn't want to be a, I didn't not want to be a trainer. I didn't know that I wanted to or didn't want to. I just was really, I got into lifting weights and stuff, maybe late high school and I used to watch. Everything fitness related. Yeah, same. I used to, like the, there was a TSN used to have two shows that came on at seven and seven thirty in the morning. And I can't remember the names of them for the life of me, but they were great. Like the one that came on at seven thirty, I think. Like, have you ever heard of the fitness model Can Tom? Anyway, she was she was on one of the I can't remember the name of the show. They used to like have all this equipment on the beach, and they used to work out on the beach. And I used to like eat that up. I I used to buy Flex and Muscle and Fitness magazine you know, subscription, and like I was just so into it. And then naturally, it just felt like normal. Let's let's do kinesiology. That made mm-hmm. a lot of sense. And then I mm-hmm. became a personal trainer maybe in my, in my second year in kin program. But yeah. yeah. And so now you you knew you wanted to do something in therapy, but why? Like what about the training for you is not enough or or is it a title that you wanted to have?
2: No, nope, had nothing to do with the title. Like I said, I wanted to be a, some sort of therapist shortly after I graduated from school. I don't know why I didn't do it. I think it was just more I was scared of the finances mm-hmm. involved in it already because mm-hmm. I knew that it was a big investment. Yeah. Um, I was also young. Um I was living with a boyfriend at the time. I just didn't think it was possible at that time so I just kind of put it off the wayside but as years went by it was burning in my head like it was just something like I like I remember talking to one of my clients I'm like I, I just I want to go back to school like I really want to go back to school and then actually she was my client yesterday because we did like a, a mock clinic thing we did mm-hmm. with our friends and family and she's like you finally are here I'm like yes <laughs> I did it <laughs> I enrolled but why it's like I said, I'm always going to be personal training. I think once I become a registered massage therapist, it's not like I'm going to be like, okay, done with personal training. It's out of my, I'm still going to do it. But I think it's more of a, okay, what next? What next? Like I just, I want more and I want more in that physical spectrum. If I can help someone relieve pain and help with preventing stuff, I would love it because as a personal trainer, you can't You can only get them physically active and that's it. And
0: you'd fit in really well with a lot of stuff that's happening in massage therapy. I feel like a lot of massage therapists, they're now realizing "Mm, all of this passive stuff that we do is great, but it only takes us so far. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, they're now starting to explore more of the movement, Mm -hmm. which really makes me laugh a little bit because us movement kinesiology people, Mm -hmm. we're like, this is old school news. Like this is, there's nothing new about this. And to them, it's like this new... New discovery. Look what we know. No. I'm like, no, this is, this is. A, this
3: well,
1: old. I mean, you can't fault them. You only know what you've been taught. So for me, yeah, definitely the movement thing always, that was like just instinct to me when I was in massage school. I remember doing my um, oral practical exams and incorporating more exercises. And I remember even in my Remex class, the instructor saying to me, well, that was really creative what you did there because I wasn't just taking the yeah. exercises they taught me and performing those, I would actually read the stem and give the person exercises that I would actually prescribe. Exactly. And so I would do that. And he's like, Oh, that was really creative. Like, where did you learn? But for us, yeah, it's innate. It makes sense to us that movement goes along with the therapy. But if you learned it in
0: reverse, then I think what bothers me most is the, these therapists that are now discovering movement and getting into it, I feel like they were discrediting personal trainers and still do. I feel like they put personal trainers on a, uh, exactly on the lower rung compared to them. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Now you're stepping into their world Mm -hmm. and they've been doing this for a long time. So you're, you're not any higher up, than they are.
1: No. And it's like any profession. I have seen amazing personal trainers. I've seen horrible personal trainers, you know, mm, yeah. I, you know, when you're in the gym and I've, I used to do this actually I used to have a gym membership at um, LA fitness and great gym, great staff. But there was a couple of trainers there in particular, and I had watched them with their clients. And I started to realize you guys do the same thing with, with each everybody. client you have. <laughs> like is... I've been watching you and you are doing the exact same thing. Workout with every client, whether it was the 79 year old woman or the 17 year old boy. Like it was just. Yeah. Anyway, so there's there's really bad trainers. There's really great trainers. And I think a lot of these movement therapists, I don't know why they have, you know, this idea that they're on a pedestal. They need to bring it down a notch and be more humble because we're all trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of them look at personal trainers as the ones who have been groomed by the gyms because unfortunately, a lot of these big gyms, I won't mention names, good life, uh, <laughs> you can go work there without having I mean, any yeah. real education in. In movement you just have to take one of their weekend courses take an exam to show you know the basics of training so those trainers they may eventually be amazing, but when they start out, they know nothing. They know right? nothing.
2: Nothing. And personal trainers now are also looked at as, oh, they did a weekend course and now they're certified exactly, or they did an online certification. and Because in Canada, you can. You can, yeah. And
1: so for the trainers who actually have the education, have taken all the additional courses and who really care about the body and movement, like you said, not just the aesthetics, they get lumped in with the trainers who did the weekend courses, right? Anyone could call themselves a personal trainer. And it's the same thing in our field. Like a lot of therapists get sort of offended when somebody thinks like, Oh, you're a massage therapist. Oh, yeah, I I have so much stress. I want to relax. And they get offended, like, no, I do therapy. I don't just do relaxation Mm -hmm. because we all get lumped in together. So I don't I don't have a huge hate for the movement people. I just think they need to be a little more humble. People in terms of personal trainers. The ones who think they're higher than the personal trainers. I think they need to be a little more humble.
2: Yeah. I haven't met anybody in that aspect yet. But One thing I will say, and this is for pretty much a lot of the industries, I think people, whether it's physical fitness or any kind of therapy, people go in it for the wrong reasons. What are the wrong reasons? I mean, the bad personal trainers, you think, do they really have a passion for the body? Do they have a passion for movement? Do they have the passion for making a change in somebody's life? Or is it just this generic, I'm going to give you squats and uh, pushups kind of thing? Um, cause I think it's cool. It's cause it's a cool job and I like working out myself. Like my clients are literally my science project. I see what I can do to mold them t- so that they are better, not better versions cause they're already awesome people, but better physically so that they can function better in life. Like the amount of desk jockeys that I train is miraculous and they all have their own different things. They all progress much differently and they're all my si- little science projects and I love it. I'm in it because I have a passion for, I'm not in it because I think it's going to make me a ton of money. Same with massage therapy. I'm not in it because I feel like massage therapy is going to make me rich because I know it's not going to, I'm doing it because I really do have a fascination and a passion for it. I think a lot of people come in whatever industry and they're like, oh yeah, you know, my physiotherapist helped me. So now I want to become one Um, and they're making a killing. So I feel like this will be a good career change for me. Like, okay, not a bad reason, but Really think about it Mm
3: -hmm, before mm
2: -hmm. you step into this because, you know, you have to have a true passion for it if you want to last long in it. Or be good at it. Or be good at it. Be good. Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, like the best therapist, whether it's a chiropractor or a physiotherapist, the best ones... Are the ones who truly love what they do they truly truly love they love their clients they love what they do they love everything about it they they take the extra course they refresh their memory in terms of anatomy so they know what they're talking about and those are the ones that go far really really far right a massage therapist in here yesterday who said if she won the lottery
1: and no longer needed to treat she would do it for free. She would find the people who can't afford therapists, Yeah, you know, the elderly people, seniors, whatever, and she would provide therapy for free yeah. because she really loves just actually seeing people progress. Okay. As you said, they're all her little science projects, I guess. And she's a bit of a hippie and I love her.
2: <laughs> yeah, she is. These are awesome, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> so when you finished York and uh, you started doing personal training, you also mentioned that uh, you were involved with a spa. Kind of give us the... Give us the career path from school (laughs) and all of the stuff that you did right before getting into. Massage therapy at Kikawa.
2: Okay. So, yeah, I graduated school. Um, and then I was working at... There was one gym that just opened at the time. I forgot what they were called. I wasn't there for long because I moved over to Pure Fitness, which is uh Lee Side there. And I was working front desk. And then from there, I moved to Totem. Mm, Totem Lifestyle. Oh, I love I know, them. I love, I love them. I worked for them for a good six years. And I absolutely, to this day, they have been my favorite place to ever be like I say a lot of good things about them I have nothing bad to say they are an awesome awesome company their therapists their trainers are just awesome passionate people I met those guys a long
0: time ago Mm -hmm. before they were totem life life science Yep. before they were totem life science they were pro fitness and pro fitness had a contract with the fitness institute so they were providing personal training for the fitness institute that's when that's when i met uh, those guys way back when
2: yep yep they were pro fitness before they became totem but then after that i kind of wanted to branch off on, i i was um kind of like an office manager there and i was teaching kettlebell classes um and then after that i just wanted to branch off and focus on my personal training somehow i ended up at equinox hmm. uh you guys heard of equinox yep. yeah so i was there as a personal trainer for i think about a year Ugh was not happy there. What were you not happy about? <sighs> I think because I'm such a like <sighs> how do I say this? Like I'm professional but not in a sense of corporate style. You're real. I'm real. Hmm. I would say I'm real.
0: <laughs> a man is like, what? Equinox real? What?
2: No, I'm
1: I'm agreeing oh, because okay. <laughs> professionalism, people say that word and think it means corporate guy in a suit. That's not professional. That yeah. is, professionalism isn't defined by like your appearance, how you, it's, yeah. Anyway, so I'm well, agreeing Well, some with of the
0: higher end clubs, they expect certain things from their employees, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like when I worked at the Fitness Institute in Mississauga, that was at the time considered a, a high end club. And it's like tattoos, no. Piercings, no. Mm-hmm. Clean shaven, yep. Like you had to have this very certain look and I couldn't figure out why. And it just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, Like, you know, the Buckley's dude? Yeah, you know Buckley's cough syrup guy. Yeah, Doctor Frank Buckley. Like you have to refer to him as Doctor Buckley. I'm like, I think the guy just wants to be called Frank sometimes. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like just anyway, but it was it was interesting.
2: But yeah, though like uh, Equinox was definitely like that. And you know what it is for some people, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And again, they became that gym that would just hire you if you just wanted to be a personal trainer. You didn't have to have legit anything, Mm. right? You didn't have to have a certification. You didn't have to. Right. Like they were. Did just...
0: you? Did you at least have to look a certain way?
2: Yeah, you had to wear all black. Okay. So just black pants um, and then their T-shirt. Black if you were training somebody and you would get this like light blue T-shirt if um, if you were just doing like floor stuff. Gotcha. And floor stuff is basically you go up to people, talk to them and wheel them into personal training right. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. They, uh, the Fitness Institute, that's what they initially offered
1: me a the job fitness for. fitness
0: coach job.
1: Yes. They offered that to me to start. And I mean, it wasn't... It wasn't a bad offer in terms of pay, and eventually it was ultimately going to lead me into training there. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I want to be the person walking around the gym floor selling training. Like, I know that's part of the job, but oh,
0: I turned that down. Yeah, that, I didn't like that position. I never had that position. Mm-hmm. But then I got, I got the, the Mississauga Club in contact with this other dude that I know, and he is a salesman. Like this motherfucker will sell you sand at the beach (laughs) and you're, and you're buying it by the truckloads. Like, like that's how good he is with, with personal training sales. And then he eventually worked over there. And I think they, once they did that at that particular location, they kind of got rid of the fitness coach position because why are we paying people to roam the floor to help people to really get them into, to doing personal training Mm -hmm. when we can have this guy here and have everyone do a fitness test with him,
3: Mm -hmm. every
0: new member or, or member that's already there that has had their fitness test or hasn't had one in a, a long time. Do your fitness test with this guy. And then you end up walking out of it. And he's done $5,000 worth of personal training sales. Yeah. Boom,
2: just like that. Just like that. And like for me, I'm not a salesperson at all. So for us, every time we were given a new assessment to do – we were given like a script. Yes. Gyms are all scripted. Uh, and I'm like, this really, I cannot do this without, I, like, I can't do this with a straight face.
3: Yeah. Like,
2: There's no way I can get this person to train with me if they don't want it. I can give them all the knowledge in the world. I could say, you need training because this, this, and this if I can't convince them, I can't convince them. And I, I, I don't want to push somebody who doesn't, they're not going to be a long-term client if I, if I force them into personal training. I don't know. That's just my mentality. And also, I don't like being closed up like that in like a little box with a script. Mm-hmm. This is how you should be. This is what you should say. If people don't renew with you, if they don't sign up with you, it's because of you. And that's what Equinox basically was like. They're like, well, if they don't renew, it's because of you. Yeah, there's another no reason. They'll find the way if they really wanted to be with you.
0: I, I tend to disagree with that. Yeah, I'm with you. But that's the sales. That's a sales mentality.
1: It is a sales mentality, and the biggest reason I turned down the job at the fitness institute because I just came out of being a general manager at a fitness club where I wasn't training people anymore. I was selling training. I was really good at it, but I felt like slime. Why did you feel slimy though? Because. <sighs> There is a genuine way to do sales, but yeah. the pressure I was getting, the owner of that company was very unethical and hence why all of his clubs have closed. I don't know right. what he's doing now, but he was, he was just not a yeah, good yeah. guy. And so, I mean, I would get phone calls from him, texts from him multiple times a day. Like basically, as Natalia said, like there's no reason... That you haven't sold this much to this point, and so when you're getting that kind of pressure, I would end up convincing myself because I had to believe what I was doing. I'd end up convincing myself that people that I knew probably didn't need the packages I was selling them. I would convince myself they did, and I would get yeah. them to sign See, up for these I, packages. I flip
0: on this. I think yeah, there's a dirty, there's a dirty feel to it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're selling it, and in my mind everyone can use a trainer no matter of who course you are, yeah of course no matter that what is how I slept at night is you're at.
1: at least it's something good for exactly. you exactly mm-hmm. yeah
0: so and that's why I asked like why would you feel slimy about it because at the end of the day if uh if Tiger woods can have trainers and make a comeback and do like in other words you're at this elite level and you have trainers then average everyday Joe's even if you know what you're doing to some extent in the gym and you know about the body to some extent elite people People have trainers. Then that's that's the only reason why I asked that.
1: Yeah, for sure, and I agree with you. And that was how I was able to keep going for so long. Is I was at least selling something that people could use, and it wasn't absolute garbage. But again, if you have somebody in front of you who's telling you, my availability is like. Mondays uh, at 10 a.m. and like Sundays at 2 p.m. And I have fibromyalgia and a lot of times I can't get out of bed. And this is, you know, they're telling me all these things and I'm coming up with this plan for them and I make it sound great and I put a bow on it and then they pay me $400 up front. I was like... (sighs) will I actually see her use that $400? And it it, it got to a point where I couldn't do it. So when I went to the fitness Institute, it was exactly as you described. It was very elite. It was shiny. It was lovely. And they said, we, you know, we can have you come in and start off as a floor coach, but very quickly, that's going to turn into you training. What they offered looked really
2: pretty, but I just got really afraid of being a salesperson again. Yeah. So I had to say no. Well, that's the same with, I don't want to bash Equinox. They're a great company, but but that's their mentality as well, right? Like they'll say, okay, well, you're not going to be on the floor for very long. You're going to be um, a full-time trainer and it's going to be great. It's not easy becoming a full-time trainer, right? You got to build your clientele. It's going to take a couple of months. And if they don't see that you do well in the sales they put you way at the bottom. They don't even start, they don't even give you leads anymore. Mm -hmm. So now you're struggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So where'd you go after that?
2: After that, um, I started training for Bomb Fitness. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, And that's when Your House Fitness reached out to me as well. Um, They hired me and um, I stuck with Your House Fitness for the last over two years now. Um, The reason why I left Bomb was because um, I moved to Coburg to help open a family business, which was a spa. And I'm the type of person, you give me this new opportunity to jump on, to take a risk, I will do it. <laughs> so why I decided this was gonna be a great idea, I don't know. Uh, but at the time, it seems great, I guess. Oh, new company, I get to be a part of the opening. This is awesome. Even though
1: this Toronto girl had no idea where Coburg was on the map. <laughs> I had no idea
2: where Coburg was. I Well, before, okay, so how it became came was like my family already owned some property there Um, and so my brother-in-law just kind of looked at me and was like hey do you want to open a spa and I was like sure let's do it this is great so we drove down to Coburg and I was like oh my god Coburg is so cute like it's such a cute little town Um, right by the beach it was pretty Mm -hmm. we looked at the space and then we went right to it we started planning the business I started reaching out to reps for skincare lines and this and that and Um, We were at the spa doing the painting, the construction. I'm like, this is exciting, this is stressful, this is crazy. We did the hiring, so I found some estheticians to start working for us and then we opened and uh, I realized six months down the line, Oh boy, not <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> not where I, I feel like I think it was just one of those things like, oh, it's exciting new opportunity, but isn't me. Um, so I was kind of faced with the harsh reality that no, it's not. And I, I was still driving down to Toronto to see my clients, um, your in-home right? clients, yeah. yeah, in-home clients. And I loved it. Like I just, I, the weekends was the t- one time that I felt myself not at the spot. Mm-hmm. Right
1: although the spa played a role in inspiring you with massage therapy right
2: in a sense it made me realize the high need for massage therapy Mm -hmm. because you know what i was going to go on the road of becoming a physiotherapist or not at all not at all maybe i was just gonna let it drain my head but not actually do it but then finally i was like it's now or never right i have nothing to lose right now just why not do it now and so yeah i just packed my bags literally the next day came back to toronto to enroll in the program in toronto i mean i was originally enrolled in a program in oshawa it didn't feel right and then i went to kikawa and i was like okay yeah it feels good here it feels right that's
0: good that you got out of somewhere that you didn't feel right about though yeah so many people don't so many people are like eh, i sort of committed let me just tough it out and then it becomes just fucking murder staying there
2: yeah like it just i walked down and i was like ugh oh. I didn't feel terrible, but I didn't feel right. I was like, is this the right school? And But then once I walked into Kikawa, I just, it wasn't even the friendliness. I think it was just the vibe in that school. I was like, yep, this feels good. There's no no second thought. Let's do this kind of thing. And they helped me with the whole process. and,
1: And here we are today. I love that. I think trusting your gut is so important because... Sometimes you can't think of a rational reason to do or not to do something. Like your brain isn't telling you anything, but for some reason you have this like instinct. This is where I need to be or I shouldn't be here. And following that, I think is really important it's there for a reason
2: it's there for a reason i and it takes a long time to just be able to read that Mm -hmm. a long time to be able. i mean the whole spa thing was just very sporadic did i sit there and listen to my intuition no for me it was just more of a let's jump on it let's do this you're impulsive i'm impulsive oh i'm so impulsive i'm very you're very
1: impulsive as well it's (laughs) (laughs) there was one time years ago that we actually started to get excited about the idea. We were just going to pick up and move to the East Coast because Mark had helped design some curriculum for Mm -hmm. a school in Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. And he came to me and said, let's just go. We could probably just go and teach there. Let's just go. And I was like, yeah, let's go to
2: Newfoundland. Like we put no thought into anything sometimes. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But that's how you learn, right? Like I I would do that. If somebody said, hey, let's move, I don't know, to Bali, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. I've never been there. I don't know anything about it, but let's do it. But yeah, and I kind of like that about me. So the only reason why I discovered about uh, you guys was actually because of one of my instructors. And so um, I started listening to you guys and... Again, impulsive. I'm like, what if I just contact Mark and just see, hey, what if we just like get the students' point of view?
0: Yeah, I dig it. So yeah. let's let's get let's into the, get students the students' point of view. Point yeah. <laughs> All right. So tell us about your first couple days there, because that's probably the the most sort of exciting. You're in a classroom <laughs> with a whole bunch of people. Give us the idea of what your classroom setup is like in terms of demographics. Are you are you there with a bunch of young kids, older people, second career? What's it What's it like? Because I uh, I I feel like it's different at every school. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: But you just described my whole class right there. <laughs> <laughs> we had, young, we have young people. Um, we have people like fresh out of high school people. Almost. Okay. Almost very early twenties. Um, we have second career. Um, and then we have people that are already in the industry and just kind of want to upgrade kind of thing. So we have it all. It's funny because <laughs> I remember the first time we walked into the class, I'm like, wow, our desks are real massage therapy desk. This is awesome. <laughs> you look at your classmates And you don't know anybody. And now we're like a family.
1: You become very close very fast in massage
0: school. Well, that's what taking off your clothes in front of a (laughs) bunch of fucking strangers is like. Yeah. You better get friendly quickly because you just saw my purple
2: undies (laughs) yeah it's it's amazing because i love my class and we're not a big class at all i think we're down to nine, nine people now but like we're awesome we're all awesome um and mind you we're only you know five months in do we know our true colors no it's starting to come out but even still like the amount of support we give each other is miraculous because we know this is an intense course it's Mm -hmm. not going to get any easier we got to be here for each other that's really good
0: did you have a lot of exposure to massage therapy other than the spa like were you getting treatments regularly or was this something new to you because like when i went to school i worked i was working as a kid in clinics and all the rest of it so i was always around a whole bunch of therapists but i had never really had massage therapy done at all like i was not a client of massage therapy before so the first times I actually really got massaged were in school. Was that the same or different for you?
2: Uh, Slightly different. I, again, worked with a lot of massage therapists. Like Totem had a lot of massage therapists. Equinox had a lot of massage therapists. Um, so I was around a lot. Of, and, you know, being at the spa as well, a lot of massage therapists. Did I get massages frequently? No. And that's just a personal choice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I'd rather be the therapist than the client. There's
0: a lot of people like that. From when I was teaching, there was always a handful of people in the class like, yeah. you know what? I really don't want to be on the table. I'd rather just like not if, if I don't have to. You're looking at me like, what the fuck? You
1: no, know, I was just thinking about everything you guys were talking about. I didn't have much exposure to massage before. I come from a family that literally doesn't like to be touched. I... Like, none of them get regular treatment. Um, we were not like huggers. We weren't like cuddly people, you know, like it was probably a very unlikely career choice for me. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of my first real uh, treatments, it wasn't even a treatment, it was actually you. Um, you and I were working together, and I hadn't started the program yet. And I had come to you with a neck problem. And I remember you doing something, um, like somewhere in my like suboccipitals. And I was like, what is that? Like the intense pain I felt from him just like barely yeah. touching my suboccipital. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, Oh, you got some serious issues here. He did like a 10 minute treatment on my neck in the middle of the workday. Cause I could barely move. And I went back to my desk and I was like, Holy shit. Like I can, I can focus. My eyes are working back. Like it was, that was sort of like my first real exposure to massage otherwise i hadn't really and when i went into massage school i loved being a client i wanted to be on the table i okay. wanted to like i wanted to see how all this stuff felt a lot of it was horrible like i i do not have a high pain tolerance <laughs> mm-hmm. you know when the instructor would have me as like his demo body and he'd be sticking his baseball mitt fingers like into my subscap, I'm like, this is awful, but at least I could feel <laughs> what it felt like. I enjoyed
2: that. <laughs> yeah. I like the hard pain for some reason. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, you're getting rid of it. Um, but in terms of me, I'm not a person that relaxes. I like to be on the go. So if you're going to massage me, you better get right in there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I'm with
0: you. I, I like to feel uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> during a massage. There's nothing about it. I, I don't like, I fall asleep all the time just cause every time I lie down, I just fall asleep.
3: <laughs> True,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I, when I'm getting the treatment, I don't want to feel like you're just moisturizing areas that I couldn't hit, right? Yeah,
2: and I think everyone in my classes kind of. Well, uh, there's a couple of people in my class that love getting treatment, um, but we all want to be good therapists, like at the same time. So we want to practice as much as possible. But yeah, like if. There's an opportunity to be, to be the therapist first. Well, I'm going to be a therapist rather than the client. Yeah. Um, I've always been around massage therapy. I always could have gotten a massage mm-hmm. much cheaper at any time, if not free. I even want a free massage. I didn't go. Mm. I don't know what it is. I just don't have the strong desire to get a massage. I think you know what it is. I had a, not a good experience. I'm not going to say the company. Going to say the company. This was shortly after I literally tore my hamstring. Everything around my right leg seized up and I had this big bulge where the tear was. Right. So I couldn't sit properly for a long time and I had all this tension. I needed relief in my leg, basically, and my low back. And uh, I went to the therapist and I explained what happened. I'm like, listen, I-, I teared my hamstring probably a month ago. Now I have a lot of tension. I just need some relief. But I'm like, can you please just avoid the spot? So we get on the table. He does the massage. And he's not bad. But what does he do? He goes right on the spot where I tore my muscle. And I just like, like oh. And I was in pain for a couple of days after. I was like, did did I not communicate not to hit that area? Like I need relief everywhere else, but please not where I tore my muscle. And he just totally ignored that. Yeah.
1: I think, um, where did we hear this? Like there's certain types of people. There's the people who are, um, who've had a bad experience with massage and that's it. They've written off massage. There's people who will have a bad experience and then maybe try somebody else Mm -hmm. or like people who have, Great experiences, think massage is great. And then even if they had a a bad experience, they just assume, okay, that's a bad therapist. But I think there's a lot of people that once they've had a bad experience with a certain type of therapy, they write all of it off. Like, I know a lot of people do that with chiropractic. They say, you know, I don't, I don't believe in chiropractors because they had one bad chiropractor. Mm -hmm. So You can be traumatized
2: by a therapist and write off an entire profession. I wasn't traumatized by that experience, but I was just like, I just, I don't know what it is. I'm just, I don't care to lie on a table for an hour and get a massage. I think it's wonderful. And I think it does wonders for people. But knowing that massage therapists can do so much more than what they're doing out there I don't know I just I've never been good at being a client in general and that's for anything I I hate going to the hairdresser to get my hair cut I cut my own hair I don't like getting a facial even though my skin is always 10 times better after (laughs) I just don't like being a client for some reason like (laughs) even being a personal like even having a trainer myself like I was never good at just being a client I was always I don't know well, it's you said you like getting people up
1: and going and moving. Yeah. It's If that's your mentality, I think, yeah, you're somebody that probably has a hard time like shutting that down and just letting somebody else take control of a situation.
0: Yeah. yeah, I was about to say, do you have a thing with control? Control
2: issues. I could. I could. This is one of the reasons why I don't like drinking a lot or I don't, because the fact of not having control over my brain function bothers me. Yeah. You're like that a lot. You don't like that feeling of not being
0: in control. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. That's why i don't like things like airplanes like i'll drive everywhere if i can if I, yeah, if I can drive my car across the ocean, I, I would.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, I, I have to be the driver. I cannot be a passenger because I, I am that backseat driver. Like, okay, you can uh, slow down. You can go a little bit faster here. You can change lanes. Can you? You know, and I, I also get motion sickness. I get bad motion sickness. <laughs> I don't know I where it. that came from, but all of a sudden we I was sitting in the back seat as a passenger, and I'm like, I do not feel good. So I'm like, from now on, I'm the driver. I don't care. <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I cannot explain it. I'm not a good client. Nothing against any of the professions. Obviously, I'm in massage therapy because I strongly believe in massage therapy. But I don't think I'll be much of a client.
0: You know, that's good, though. At least yeah. you have a viewpoint that Someone else might not have. Like you can, mm-hmm. uh, you can now empathize with a patient or client that comes in because their medical doctor said go get massage, or mm-hmm. they had a motor vehicle accident and as part of their claim, they're now doing massage therapy and they don't necessarily want to be yeah. here. Like you have yeah. an insight that someone else might not have.
1: I've only good. encountered that twice in my career, but I've had client uh, two clients who have come in and said, I don't like massage, I don't want to be here, but I think it's the next step in my recovery process. So, and I was like, okay, cool. Off to a good start. Let's get going.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Has massage helped me? In other ways, yes, it has. It definitely has helped me. But I'm a go big or go home girl. The funny thing is we did, we started learning frictioning at school. So I have a lot of scar tissue, obviously, in my gluteal cleft area and my hamstring because of the tear. And I have, I've dislocated my shoulders like over 20 times altogether, both of them. So obviously a lot of craps going over there. Lots of scar tissue going all over my body. So we did frictioning, shoulder area and my hamstring area. And I was like, go harder, go harder to the point where I was crying, not realizing how shitty I was going to feel after. Like I was so sore. And I'm like, Oh, I've never felt this terrible before. I don't know what it was. And my stomach started hurting or started turning. And next thing you know, just before I went to bed, went to get ready for bed. And I just blacked out just completely blacked out Got out of my faint moment, vomited, and I'm like, I gotta go to bed. <laughs> I gotta sleep this off. Woke up in the middle of the night, happened again. Woke up in the morning, it happened again. I'm like, Whoa. I think we just went too hard. Yeah. yeah. Ended up being in the ER for a good seven hours. Whoa. Yeah. It's yeah. So a lesson learned. Don't go... Don't go too hard on yourself. No.
0: Tell me about your your first oral practical exam.
2: Oh, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> <laughs> and all we were doing was uh, draping. <laughs> we had our whole, like, um, consent for treatment or whatever. Like, we had our speech and making sure that we hit all the points and then comes draping. I was nervous. I don't know why. And now you look back and it's like, okay, well, that was nothing. Now it's like, we actually are treating people. Like they're looking at everything, our ergonomics, our techniques, our speech. And now everything's coming together. Like we had our assessment, um, oral practical exam, and then we had our actual massage and now all that's coming together. So it's like what we did at first is like peanuts compared to... But it was new for you. But it was new for us. Yeah. For all of us, we were all a nervous wreck. We're getting much more comfortable with the practical exams. Those are the biggest parts of the program. How do you study for those?
1: What Do you have like a specific study method? Do you study right up until the exam? Are you a pull an all-nighter kind of student? What do you do? Okay.
2: For theory, it's non-stop. Like I go home... I make sure I get all the assignments done for one. I review everything over and over again. Um, I'll write notes. I'll rewrite everything if I have to so that it I understand, especially for parts that I don't, like it's not grasping very well with me. So that's how I study for that. They do um, a review and I start, the second they give us the review, I start my study notes and I read over and over and over again. So it's, it's pretty continual, to be honest with you. On weeks that we have, it it really does help on weeks that we have like three tests and you don't have a lot of time in between. Mm -hmm. Okay, what assignments have to be due? What dates? Get them out of the way and just focus on studying and that's it. A lot of people are like, oh, how do you manage this with working and... Being in school and all that stuff. Well, it's very easy. I have my 5 a.m. clients that I see. First thing in the morning, I go to school. I stay in school until I see my evening clients. So that's two hours of studying right there. So every day you study for two hours while you're waiting to go to work. Yeah. Two, okay. One or two hours. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't even have time for that. But like instead of going home and getting my car and mm-hmm. settling down, no, I stay in school. and That I makes get, sense. I, that may, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Weekends, I don't do much on weekends. I'll, I will literally study and do homework then. um, For practicals, um, I just kind of prepare my script, I guess, and I just practice as much as I can and make sure that I understand what needs to be involved even the little gritty stuff that has to be on the test do you prefer to do that alone or do you practice with your classmates and you guys sort of trade off and use each other Both. and that's the thing with massage therapy school it's it's non-stop studying like you have to be on top of it, especially yeah. for fast track like everything's coming at us quick it does move really really fast um
1: i wasn't overly close with a lot of my classmates my own fault because i was working full-time and i would have to like go straight to work at my desk the minute class was over. So I studied for most of my OPs on my own. And when I was studying for the OSCE, there was a girl that was doing her OSKI the same day as myself. And so her and I kind of like got together multiple times throughout one month and studied. And it was actually so much easier to have her to like practice the assessments and practice the treatments and do everything. I thought I would have had such an easier time probably in massage school if I would have used my classmates a little more. But my fault. Yeah. I like really isolated myself from them.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, as for us like we have a group chat. So if we have a question about something, we just, hey, does anybody have this? Mm. Can you help or whatever? Um, we send notes there. We sent like we really do help each other out every way we can. It, it, it does help that there's a pub right in the strip mall. So sometimes we'll just go there and play pool. Or if we just finished a practical exam, we'll have a shot. We're done. <laughs> we made it. We survived. Yeah, I know we help each other out, but I make sure that I study as much as I mm-hmm. can in between. And that it helps. It really does help. I'm actually really good friends
0: with some of the people I went to school with. And we were always kind of studying together all the time. Like Not even at school. I'd be like, let's go to so-and-so's house and let's get the table out. And yeah, that that was, but that to me was more fun than studying, to be honest with you.
1: You guys are so cute. You guys still talk massage and how, what are you, 15, 16 years out of school?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. I uh, someone just texted me the other day one of my classmates former classmates yeah we're still we're still tight it's pretty cool but
2: that's the bond you get like mm-hmm. I I haven't felt this kind of connection with classmates before yeah well you
0: got this at university cuz you went away because
2: I went away well, yeah. I was home for you I had the I had the so backwards
0: I at
1: university the backwards experience for you guys like I my my close friends are my university people, my massage people. There's maybe one or two people that I went to massage school with that I still were Facebook friends. Yeah. But I didn't really get that close. And like I said, though, it was my fault. There were some of them that would stay after together and they would study. and But I would literally, the minute class was over, I was out the door, going to work. So I didn't really get super close with them. I mean, we were close in the sense that, as Mark said, we all just kind of wandered around naked and it was normal, but yeah, <laughs> but otherwise, no, I, I studied on my own. And I think it would have been beneficial to have the people that were all doing it together, especially those days where you're just ready to rip your eyeballs out because oh, they have that.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that was, uh, That was us. When we had three tests in one week, I just hated everybody. (laughs) I just hated everybody. I just was like, I wasn't getting much sleep. I was so stressed out about the test and I was very irritable. Um, but I survived it. We all survived it. (laughs) One of my classmates walks out and he's like, I love you guys, but I hate you guys. (laughs) Like it was just that kind of week. But we made it. So, like the whole thing with the pocket, I'm glad that we did it today because I would be so tired doing it in the evening. Like I am <laughs> mm-hmm. wiped out. Wiped out. Yeah, yeah.
0: What since we since we brought up the nakedness twice, what was it like for your class to like what we got to take our clothes off? We did was it was it ever that moment for people in your class or you included, where it's like man, like. I better be fit because <laughs> I'm constantly I'm constantly without clothes on.
2: Yeah, some some of them were a little self conscious about it, and they didn't know that this was going to be the case at all. I was just like, okay, I better shave my legs more frequently. Now. Like this is crazy. Um, so it's keeping my hygiene up there for sure. <laughs> I got to shower regularly.
0: I got to shower
1: here. regularly. Better be clean.
2: So that that's one thing. <laughs> But now we don't care about it. I your was body. gonna say that goes yeah. away so fast. The
1: yeah. shaving thing, definitely when I started, I yeah. cared if my legs were shaved. And yeah. then eventually it came to, oh sorry, I haven't shaved. And then eventually it came to like, here's my hairy leg. Massage <laughs> <laughs> <Sorge laughs> it. <laughs> like you just yeah. have to stop caring. Yeah, and when you're yeah. like with me and yourself, we were working through school. So it's go to school, go to work, study, go to bed, wake up and do it all over again. Where in there am I shaving my legs regularly?
3: No. <laughs> I'm
2: not sorry I, guys I do get that I do get that but this is where my craziness comes so I have like a 5am client I always make sure that I have enough time to get ready mm-hmm. I, I need to give myself 40 minutes to get ready and I think right to the end I'm always going to care about all of that stuff like I'm always going to be that like I just I need to make sure that I am easy to massage
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> right but am I self-conscious about my body no are anybody in my class self-conscious about their body, they don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, anymore. right. Anymore.
0: So, like, do you, uh, we asked this. I can't remember who we asked this to. Do you remember the first time you had your gluteals draped? Because I remember you were, like, kind of shocked when it happened the first time. And then whoever we asked to, they were like, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Not
1: in school. I don't think I would have been shocked in school. I would have been prepared for that. I think it was... I don't remember the conversation you're talking about. I remember once going for a massage and it wasn't that my gluteals were being undraped. It was that everything all at once was undraped because this oh, was I in know. another country. <laughs> so it wasn't like, you know, draping landmarks as we know them. It was like, take the sheet down and woof, I'm naked. <laughs> so mm. that was a little bit scary. So did you
0: Did you ever have any of those moments in school where you're like... What the hell is this person doing to me while I'm on the table?
2: Um, No, because I will never volunteer my body to do that. Um, I think the only time I volunteered was when we did the chair massage. But other than that, I'm not going to know.
0: Because <laughs> I remember our draping, our first draping test and, and my, my partner, well, we got assigned people that we were bodies for. And so it was this guy, Justin, nice guy. Actually, I reached out to Justin to be on the podcast recently. And I was not an underwear wearer. Like I normally I'm a commando kind of person. And so I'm like, fuck, this guy's got a draping exam and I would feel horrible if he fucks up his exam because I'm a commando guy. Yeah. So I had to like go out and buy underwear for him and all the rest of it. And I remember that whole day because I'm not used to wearing underwear. I was so fucking irritated. I was like, what is this? I had to go take him. I had to throw him away like halfway through the day. But the stuff I did for for Justin
2: passes,
0: <laughs> passes draping exam.
2: Oh, so you mean by testing, like for testing? Yeah, we're assigned yeah. bodies too. And yeah, I kind of have to, no, I refuse to buy special underwear. (laughs) No, they got to deal with my thong. Mm -hmm. Get your massage. Do I care if the teacher sees my, no, because I know the teacher has seen more than a butt cheek. You know what I mean? Like
1: that never bothered me. I do remember when we were learning breast massage and they, you know, they approached it in a sensitive way. Like, okay, any females that are willing to do a demo or willing to be a body, you absolutely don't have to. And because I worked at the school, I was like, I feel like I have to draw the line somewhere. And this whole group of students, where like I work in the admin at the school, I'm like, this whole group of students, like, undraping my nipples, Mm. I I have to draw the line somewhere. So Mm. I didn't volunteer to be a body for breast massage. I think if it were to be now, I might be a little more okay with it after having kids and everybody has seen everything that goes out the window too. But I, yeah, at the time I was like, no, no, I don't think I'll do that. And the one girl who stepped up to do it, um, yeah, she just like she was so comfortable and fine. And, you know, we were all like standing around her as the teacher was showing us like the proper way to undrape and how to do the breast massage. And she she was totally comfortable and it wasn't weird. And everybody was very professional. And I think when you're in that environment and in massage school, the, the reason that you end up being so comfortable with your body is because everybody else there is just trying to learn. Like, they're yeah. looking at you as a group of muscles. Nobody's judging your body. Do you need to lose weight? Should you shape? Like, nobody's even thinking that. No. I know I wasn't. Like, when I'd have a client on the table who maybe didn't have, you know, six-pack, I didn't but care about that. who does have a six-pack, realistically? <laughs> really. But there was a time in my life when I had abs.
0: Do you, do you do you notice a difference, though, with the early 20s people in your class? And, and the... Older second career people, in terms of like how they their comfort level, or you know.
2: I think it's more not in terms of their the way they learn because the, the early 20 year olds are very smart. Yeah, um, actually, one of them dropped out. But she was very smart. She was very smart. Um, I think it's just more of how do 20-year-olds relate to 30-plus-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think it's more that than anything. Because I remember, I remember being in my 20s and trying to fit in with the 30-year-olds. And you just can't because they just have a different spectrum of life. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I can right? see
0: that. That's yeah, true. When I was 20-something, I thought 30-something was old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
2: right. did I. I thought that was, like, not old, but, like... they they've experienced life and now you're 30 i'm 30 plus and I'm like, okay, no, I still have a lot to experience. I don't know everything and I'm okay with that. I'm okay mm-hmm. with my insecurities. I'm okay with that. Whereas when you're in your 20s, you really do think you're the shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? I remember meeting somebody whom now I think is one of the like nicest people on the planet. When I met her, I was pregnant. I was 30 and her and I are actually similar in age. But when I met her, she was had been drinking. I know now she doesn't drink, mm-hmm. but you know she was acting like really loud and crazy and dangerous dancing and whatever and I remember turning to someone and saying, oh my God, she reminds me of me at 24 like I can't talk to her <laughs> and because that's that's the way I look at myself in my 20s I was like, man, I was so stupid but I didn't know I was so stupid. Mm-hmm. So when I meet somebody in their 20s now I think I'm more tolerant of that because I'm like, oh you're
2: dumb but one day you'll realize you're so dumb Yeah exactly that's how I see it too because I, I see these young 20 year olds and I'm like, yeah, I was like that and mm-hmm. I see how stupid I was. They'll learn yeah <laughs> learn. they will learn I was very shy and yeah we have a girl that's very shy in her class you know mm-hmm. but she's a hard worker she is a hard worker but I saw myself as that shy 20 something year old and then you see other young ones who think they are the shit and you realize no you're not you're not and you will learn that you're not oh yeah
1: I was that person I, yeah. I thought I was the shit when I was in my early yeah. 20s <laughs> you know I was like super fit I was in university I got good grades I would like you know, go out to the club every weekend. And I was the annoying girl being very loud and dancing on tables and buying everyone shots. And it is embarrassing to even talk Talk about about
3: it. Yeah. But
2: I learned. Yeah, (laughs) I was that girl too. Like I was as shy as I was. I still had a very good social life. And now I'm like, no, I'm done with that. It's just, (laughs) it's in the past.
3: It's in the past.
2: Why are you giggling over
3: that? What
2: were you like in your early twenties? We were all like that. I feel like. To be
0: honest, I don't remember my early early 20s much i really don't i I don't think
2: i I did my way in too like before i even turned 19 Mm -hmm. i was like oh i'm gonna be 19 in a year i can't wait so i got fake id somehow got away with it oh my fake id was a west indian girl named (laughs) farah (laughs) <laughs> For those
1: of you who don't know, I am almost, I'm one shade above see-through <laughs> and somehow I would go to these clubs and again, it was that that confidence of the 20 yeah. year old, right? And I'd yeah. walk up, well, I wasn't 20, obviously I was 18, mm-hmm. but I'd walk up there in my little skirt and, you know, way too much skin showing and hand them this ID of this West Indian girl named Farah, and just look them straight in the eyes and I think maybe got called out on it once. She's like, okay, okay. I had my real passion picture on my fake ID. Oh, you had like a real fake ID. No, I I just had somebody else's.
2: (laughs) I went to a real legit place that. A real legit place that makes fake fake ID. ID. (laughs) They take your picture. They're like, make sure you memorize everything. They are going to ask you.
0: And can we make my name McLovin?
2: Oh my God!
1: It I can't awesome. imagine you would have ever had a fake ID. You were no. such a straight shooter. I didn't have fake a fake ID. Student. I had an
0: older brother who I could have used his ID, and I I did that maybe a grand total of two times because it cost me forty bucks a pop every time I wanted to use his ID. He
1: charged you? He charged me for fucking everything. No
0: wonder you guys if don't speak it. anymore. <laughs> If I wanted it, my parents, we we used to have a, a vacation house in Florida, so they would go to Florida multiple times a year.
2: What's with having a vacation house in Florida? It's like
0: the Canadian dream.
3: Oh, okay. well, I just know so many
2: people that have vacation homes in Florida. Mark's been trying yeah. to convince us to buy,
0: convince me for us to buy a vacation
1: house the for Canadian, the past ten years. It's the Canadian dream. I'm like, We're too young. We're not there yet. Anyway,
0: so yeah, my, my parents had a vacation house in Florida, so they would go to Florida all the time, and I'm in high school, and my brother was in university, and uh, you know I can't I can't buy booze. But we're always having parties. So I'd be like, yo, man, can you buy me some beer? He's like, yeah, sure, but it'll cost you. Everything cost me something. I had to pay him to borrow his car. I had to pay him to buy me booze. It was like a fucking nightmare. So I didn't really do a lot of that stuff before I was of age. But I used to play a lot of music, so my early twenties was, I was constantly at a bar playing. Like yeah. I would play like three or four nights. We would gig three or four nights a week.
1: You were still doing that into your early thirties. I remember going to at yeah. least two, three shows a week when you yeah. were in your early thirties.
0: So I did, I did a, I did a shitload of drinking in those days, because there's nothing to fucking do. You show up at the venue, you're not, you're not on until eleven o'clock. But sound check is well before the venue even opens. So sound check is like at 630. So you're there, you set up at 630, you do your sound check, which takes a grand total of fucking twenty minutes, and then what do you do? You do nothing. You hang out. And then the bartender is there kind of doing some stuff and, you know, counting bottles, whatever they do with their fucking... Have you ever worked it as a bartender? Or nope. Worked... I don't know what they do with their clipboards, but they always open up the fridge, counting shit marking shit on their clipboards. Inventory. And... Inventory. Inventory. <laughs> okay, yeah. sure. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and so, you know, we whatever try to... Whatever they do with whatever their clipboard. <laughs> whatever you do with your clipboard, bartender man.
2: All I know is, like, if you work at a bar, especially a bartender, you got to make sure that if you... I don't know poured this many ounces that this much is left in the bottle. They count it. Yeah. They count yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we right? had a really good friend who was a bartender for a while. But I'm
1: pretty sure that that bar was a little relaxed because I'm fairly certain she used to serve up quite a few drinks on the house to us.
0: She might have paid him back in the end. Who knows?
2: Who knows? Or she, she had to count it. She had to count it as inventory. Yeah, so mm.
0: we just end up drinking because bartenders there do an (laughs) inventory while we sit around the venue waiting for it to open up so by time people actually get into the venue and we hit the stage i'm bombed i'm i'm like i'm completely I, I, i don't remember the majority of the shows we played
1: i didn't know you that young but knowing you you were a quiet shy guy You'd go to school, you'd work out, you'd go to school, you'd work out, you'd study. That was the end. That was the end. And uh, you'd have to get drunk to play shows because you were too shy to get up there without, if,
0: without some liquid courage. <laughs> it, I just felt more comfortable. Yeah. I felt It's not that I felt more comfortable. I felt more comfortable performing when I was bombed. <laughs> Watching me perform with the other guys I played with when I wasn't bombed was quite what I. I'm doing it soon, so you'll see how how boring it looks compared
1: to. (laughs) Now that you don't drink, we'll get to see what you're like playing supper. All right. So where where were we in massage school? We got sidetracked with, <laughs> let's talk about what we were like in our
0: 20s. Oh,
1: any 20 year olds listening who this is still your life. Yes, you are going to become these sad 30 and 40 somethings
3: telling Not stories. Sad. <laughs> Not sad at all.
2: I, w- I will disagree with you on that. I don't think it's sad at all. You will become very aware of yourself. Yeah, You'll become very Oh no, I was
1: yourself. joking when I yeah. said sad. There's no part of me that wants to go back to yeah. that life of going out all the time. I enjoy being at home I enjoy doing kid things with the kids. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be at the
2: bar anymore. Mm-mm. Over it. But experience it. I
0: think everyone has to. Everyone has to. Everyone has to let the everyone has to open up the cage and let the fucking wild animal out. And if you don't, you're going to end up doing it later in life and that's when you're that's, that's, that's when it's going to fuck you up. <laughs> that's when it's going to fuck you up. Yeah. So do it when you're supposed to do it, which is yeah. as a dumb high school kid and a university college kid, mm-hmm. not into your 30s and 40s yeah. and 50s and I'm going to go buy the convertible Corvette and the
2: motorcycle. And oh, the amount of times I've seen people who've married young and they had everything and then all of a sudden they get a divorce, their life just turned around.
0: Now they're trying to go play catch-up, and it doesn't work when you've got the big bald spot.
2: They're the biggest players, (laughs) they're this and that, and they've just become very irresponsible human beings. It's like, okay, well, holy crap. I'm Mm. glad that I experienced what I experienced when I experienced it. I don't know. I say let them have it, though. If they missed out on it, let them have it. Well, you
0: have to have it at some
2: point. Yeah, let them
1: have it. Why are you looking at me like that? I'm just actually, honestly, legitimately trying to remember before we went off on the tangent about being young, what we were talking about. We were like, we I were just talk, went so blank. We were blank. talking
0: about massage therapy class. And I asked, you know, about
1: right, being how comfortable
0: or what yes. the classroom dynamic is like okay. with old people and young people. And is there any insecurities and blah, blah, Got blah you. with the younger people versus the older people. Do you
1: notice differences then away from the, the body stuff when it comes to study habits and how seriously people are taking it. Like for you, this is a second career. For some of the other people, this is a second career, or I guess for you, it's an extension of your -hmm. your current career. Do you feel that some of the younger people who are going into it maybe aren't as focused or are you guys all sort of on the same page? We're all focused. That's awesome. We're all focused. Makes it a lot easier when everybody's sort of going towards the same goal.
2: Yeah, we're definitely all really focused. I find that we're all very smart. We all have our weaknesses for sure but yeah like we even we've impressed the other classes like our class haven't has impressed the other classes because you know i don't know if your schools did this but you have your student number and then what they'll do is they'll post your grades up with your student number not your actual name so the other students from the other class will look at our grades and be like oh and then the teacher will come to us and be like yeah you are kicking ass and the other students are like talking about it Mm -hmm. because you guys are doing really well nice i'm like there you go i think our class is very hard working very very hard working focused
0: yeah we we had this same thing in our group there was always like this friendly competition with probably like six of us in the group and it's like who can get the who can get the higher 90 this one (laughs) and and, yeah so it was really always kind of pushing in a
2: positive way Mm -hmm. yeah that that too but yeah like it's it's crazy because it's in our entire class that's super focused. That's awesome. Like, that, that is really awesome, right? You yeah. know, like, it, it's
0: because really- sometimes when you just have that one motherfucker that brings everything down or causes way too much drama or whatever the case is, it's just like throwing a grenade in the mix. It just really makes it an unpleasant experience, especially with a small group like that. If you only got nine and one of them is a Debbie Downer, then it's like, oh man.
1: Yeah. We had really that. We time. had the small group. We had somebody there who was, uh, drama is exactly drama like, it, it was constant and it drama. This. And uh, she really disliked me. Um, it really bothered her when I would do well. Mm-hmm. Um, my my grades in massage school were really high. It, mm-hmm. And, and I, I do attribute it to the fact that I already had the anatomy background. I already had the training. So even though, yes, it was an intense program, some of this I was It was review for me. I had already learned it. And it would really, really bother her when I would do really well. And I couldn't understand why. And I was actually over the top nice to her. Like I didn't, I didn't feed into the drama. I didn't try to fight with her. I even, when her car broke down, I drove her to school for like two weeks straight. Like I was so nice to her, yet she was still like, it it drove her crazy that I would do well. So finally, one day I just had this discussion with her and I said, let's say that some of your accusations are right. Let's say I'm cheating because I work for the school. Let's say I have access to the tests, which I didn't. I didn't work in that department. But let's say you're right and I'm cheating on every test. How am I gonna pass my OSCE if I'm just cheating on every test, right? And let's say you're right and I'm cheating on every test and let's say I stop doing that. If I start failing, Is it going to make your grades better? Yeah, exactly. So eventually, I I really just had to block it out. But yeah, we had that one person that just brought so much drama. And I think, again, that was part of the
2: reason why I was like, yeah, I just got to isolate myself from the people. I mean, no, like we don't even have that. Do we talk about our problems? Yeah. I think we're comfortable enough now to talk about our problems. Some of us won't. Some of us keep it to ourselves. But do we create trauma? No. No, there's none of that. Not, And we're five months in. So it's like we're well into it, even though it's still early. So I'm really happy. I'm really happy with the instructors. And I'm not just saying this because I know that they're going to listen to this. It's it genuinely like, <laughs> genuinely like, it's, I've never felt like this in a class environment before ever. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really yeah. good.
0: You had mentioned, though, that everyone in your class, they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses?
2: Um, my my In terms of course, like for some reason, and this surprises a lot of people, but the clinical assessment is my weakest course in terms of theory. Practical, it's fine. Theory, I don't know what it is. It must be like, I've always had a problem with multiple choice questions and how they question, like, I, I overthink it. I overthink it. That's a common problem it. because they, not that they're trying to trick you, but there's always like
1: two answers that could possibly, possibly be, be yeah. right. And it's a matter of you, they're trying to make sure that you fully understand the concept, right? Yeah. And I know that's a common problem with people in multiple choice is you pick something and oh, but it could mean this. And then you start overthinking, maybe they worded it like this to trick me and, you know, going, oh, you're... You're taking something that actually is probably very simple, but thinking it could mean this, it could mean this, and multiple yeah. choice is
2: hard for people. It, it, it's, yeah, like the thing about path and anatomy is it's that answer or this answer. Like it's it's pretty black or white, but for clinical assessment and even for the massage and hydrotherapy, like their questions are not, they're very gray sometimes. And that really catches me. Biggest weakness ever. And it's always been my weakness. It's not the course. It's, it's really me. And I don't know how to (laughs) improve that. So many times I would actually have the right answer first. And then I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. Realistically, that doesn't make sense. So I'll change my answer. And then it ends up being the wrong. And I was right the first time that happens to me a lot. (laughs) Um, so that's a weakness for me, for sure. Um, another one is I'm really hard on myself. I, I feel like I suck at everything. (laughs) Like that's, which is not a good trait to have. I don't think you're, you're putting this belief in your mind that you suck.
1: So you're going to end up performing worse. I mean, if you believe everything that we try to teach people, which I hope you do, if you have that belief that you're not good at something, you're probably going to be performing worse, right? Because you have this anxiety around what you're doing because you think that you're not good at it. So I think Going through the course, and as you see how well you're doing, like you said, you're only five months in, I think your confidence is going to continue to build. And Mm -hmm. when you get out of massage school, like all of us, you know, you're not really going to know everything because school teaches you the the baseline, right? This is, you can now go out and work with the general public and be safe and somewhat effective, but it's going to be up to you to become A great therapist. And Mm -hmm. you know, as cliche as this sounds, and everybody always says this, but that's why it's called a practice, right? Like you're always improving what you're doing. You're learning new tools, you're learning new skills. So it's okay when you come out of school to be like, Yeah, I'm I'm new, I don't know everything. Yeah. And if you can be that humble and admit that, that's great. But thinking you suck, Mm -hmm. that's the belief you gotta throw Throw out of your head. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I don't think that I'm the worst. Right, I I definitely put in the work, but I I can be very hard on myself for sure, and I think everybody is to an extent. Everybody, yeah, you're all. What is it with me and these sayings today? You're your own worst critic. <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. We I are. I also all.
0: think that like once you're done school or once you're once you're further into the program, <laughs> you're also going to take a look back and say. Why the fuck was I so hard on myself? Yeah, Matt? or that wasn't really as bad as I remembered it. Like like exactly I, as she said with the draping
1: exam. Yeah, now you could do that with your eyes closed, right? Yeah. Like draping is easy for you now. Five months ago, you felt like, holy shit. Like, this yeah, is Yeah, like terrifying. at the end of the
0: program, you're going to be like, I don't know why I struggled so much with orthopedic assessments. Like now I just feel like I know them really well. And I know the concepts really well. And I understand this material really, really well. Yeah. And you're going to just scratch your head at the end going, I don't I don't fucking get why I had so much difficulty with that.
2: Yeah, you know, it's not even a weakness. It's just it's just how my brain works. sometimes. Yeah. even as a trainer, you know, like being a trainer, like you have to be a good trainer. If you want your clients to continue with you, Right, mm-hmm. you got to continuously challenge them, you have to do a good job, you have to be really Personable. So for me, it's like when they stop, I take it very hard, Mm. right? I take it very, very hard. But there's a number of reasons why people will stop. They'll be with me for a long, long time and they're like, okay, well, I got to move on or Mm -hmm. I just can't afford it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of have to take it as not personal, right? So,
1: but all of these things also show that you are. good at what you do because you do have a passion for it. You care where your clients are going. It's not like, oh, okay, you're going to stop with me next, you know, because yeah, there's an abundance of clients. You can always make money, but it's not about that for you. As Mm -hmm. you said, you want to see people progress and you want them to stick with you. And it'll be the same when you're a therapist, right? So this idea of, you know, being hard on yourself can actually be a positive thing because it's going to push you to actually want to be a good therapist, not just pass your OSCE so you can go get a job at a massage therapy chain and see lots of people and make lots of money. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Have you started student clinic yet? Yeah, we, well, yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> so yesterday. Yeah, um, tell us about your first go at student clinic. Um, So it wasn't the official one. Our official one is next Thursday, but we bought, Um, it was friends and family day. So I bought two of my good friends. Well, actually one was an old client of mine and my best friend. And I was nervous about this. I was like, okay. It's one thing to have a stranger come in, um, but it's another thing to have your friend who you are going to see over and over and over again. <laughs> so if you don't do a good job, Job. it's going to be an awkward conversation. Um I actually like I really enjoyed the experience. I had a good time. My one friend made the comment of, "Oh, this feels magical." I wanted to hear that. <laughs> I wanted to hear that. And then my other client, she was having some hip pain, and the fact that I relieved that hip pain by the end of it made me so happy. So we did like an internal rotation of her hip. She no longer had that pain. I was like, oh my God, I feel like I accomplished my entire day right now. That's awesome. Yeah. I hope you went and had a shot after that. No, I didn't. I went home because I was really tired (laughs) (laughs)
1: because
2: it was a long day.
0: Student clinic is awesome because that's when you really get the feel for like, this is what it's going to be like to work.
2: Yeah. This is Mm -hmm.
0: what my job is going to feel like. Yeah. And so if you really dig student clinic, then you're like, I'm going to love this job. And then if you really fucking hate student (laughs) clinic, you're going to be like, I think think I'm gonna have a hard time being in this
3: field.
1: Oh, I felt so totally true. I really loved student clinic. And when I became a clinic supervisor, it always concerned me, I guess is the right word when I had students who like, would get sort of upset, like, you know, if they had, so um, when I was clinic supervisor, the students each had three slots. Mm -hmm. So they could take three clients in one clinic shift. And I had a couple of students, if they saw they had an open spot, like they were excited about it. And then if a client called and I filled that spot, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, I was kind of looking forward to going home early. I'm like, if you can't treat three people we might need to
2: rethink your career
0: path right if now. You, if you don't want if to If you treat, don't want to treat. Like exactly. You, you're asking, you know, I, I, agree, I agree with you on that. It makes no sense to me.
2: And this is my fear too. I'm like, okay, what if we start clinic and I see an empty spot? I'm going to be very offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> I want my schedule to be packed. And I have that mentality of like, okay, get them back in. So both my friends are like, oh yeah, we're we're coming back. I'm like, here's a card. <laughs> Call the number to rebook with me. Um, I don't know if, if that school's cool with that, but I just have that mentality of they're coming back because they got a lot of work to do on them. You're already a therapist in your
1: mind because you've been a trainer for so long.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and then I started referring other people. I'm like, Hey, by the way, we have clinic, like come by, I'll massage you for X amount of dollars. Um, but where
1: were you when I was a clinic supervisor?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, if I like, And I fear that. I'm like, I don't want to be that student that doesn't have clients booked. Like, I want to constantly have clients. Like, I don't...
1: You want to practice. And the more you do, the more it builds your confidence. Mm -hmm. Like, you having that person yesterday that you were able to relieve some hip pain and, you know, improve her... Um, internal rotation, like that's amazing. yeah, and being able to do that and actually seeing what works, what doesn't, refining skills, mm-hmm. and even to understand concepts that, in my opinion, are very like abstract and impossible to teach. Like how do you teach someone how to create a treatment plan, right? Because each individual person is different that you meet. and until you assess them, it's it's hard to sort of gauge like how to create a treatment plan for someone. It's hard to determine what they need, right? A lot of it is, actually having your hands on people and multiple people to try to figure out what is effective, what isn't for different people. And it's, uh, yeah, clinic was the place that I think probably I learned the most. Oh, yeah. For
0: sure. 100%. You finally get to use everything.
1: Yeah. Mm And put it all together. Massage school is like a big puzzle. You learn Mm -hmm. assessments. And then separate from that, you learn treatment and techniques. And then Mm -hmm. separate from that, you learn remedial exercise. Separate from that, you learn how to do a health history and consent. And now you're going to do it all together.
2: Yeah. I loved it. I love how everything now is kind of molding because before it was just like, Oh my god, this is da 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 and now everything's coming together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was right. the biggest
0: thing when I used to when I used to teach. It was like it's gonna feel chaotic. Yeah. You can't help that. Just stick with it and you'll you'll see the bigger picture. It's like you're just every every week that goes by we're just taking a one step backwards and the picture is becoming, you know, grand and clear in front of mm-hmm. us. So
2: Yeah and it was great to just like start the assessment and like it's all just okay this makes sense this is why we do it mm. it really really makes sense so i'm looking forward to it. i know there's going to be days where it's going to be hard but i mean i already knew that yeah. right and that's why i kind of like being a mature student cuz it's like I get it. I get it. What would you tell someone who's thinking about going into massage school, if
1: there's anybody listening who's hasn't taken that plunge yet, e- maybe something that you didn't quite expect that was a surprise to you?
2: I knew going in, because again, I was surrounded by a lot of massage therapists. I knew going in how intense it is. I knew that I wasn't going to have much of a life. Did I know that we we're going to do this many assessments? No, I had no <laughs> idea I was yeah. going to be learning this many special tasks and assessments, um, but I knew something had to give. Was I, that? Surprised? No, it didn't shock me, but I just, I was very unaware. So anybody who goes into massage therapy school, just know that, you know, you're going to go in and you're going to be very well trained and it's going to be very overwhelming. It is not easy (laughs) at all. Um, And really just think about it. Like you, you have to go in really, really wanting it. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. That's my opinion. I agree and with and you. don't go in if don't go in because you think you're going to you're make a lot of money. You
1: you might. Yeah. There are people who well, you can. make a lot of money in this field. So you might, but I don't think that should be your motivation for almost anything because money ultimately is not going to be the thing that, you know, fulfills you in your yeah. career. But that's what I'm
2: saying like you will make a lot of money. Well, you're, not gonna, you're never going to be rich. You're only going to be rich if you win the lottery or you own a chain or something. But will you make good money as a massage therapist? Yes. You will make good money as a massage therapist if you're very passionate of being a massage therapist. Yeah, that's my belief.
1: That's my belief with everything. You are only going to be successful in something if it's something that you that you're genuine about. Like it's something you really want to do. It's something you believe in. Um, When it came to sales, as I said, when I had to leave fitness sales, it was because I was starting to feel like I wasn't even believing in what I was selling. Not that Mm -hmm. I don't believe in fitness and training. I do. I agree with Mark that anyone could benefit from having a trainer. Um, But when I started doing massage that's the piece that was missing for me it was like now I don't feel like I'm actually selling anything when I'm telling my clients like this is what you need to do I feel no guilt I don't feel slimy I know that I'm telling them exactly what they need to do and I, I don't know. I feel like I've been successful in this industry because I love it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like work. I actually said that to someone. I ran into someone in the elevator, and he's like, "Oh, off to work?" And I'm like, "No, I'm off to my vacation. Coming home and cooking and cleaning and dealing with the kids all day. That's work. That's work. I'm going. Yeah.
2: I'm going to have fun now. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Just really think about it because it's very taxing for your body as well, being a massage therapist. And I don't know, I'm doing it. It feels right. Everything feels great right now. You know, you know, when you're like really happy about something that it almost scares you. You're like, okay, I feel really good right now. Is something going to happen?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so waiting for the hammer to drop. Yeah.
2: I'm waiting for that to happen. Too good to be true.
1: No, yeah. it's not too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. I do remember when I was in massage school and it got hard. You reminded me of that when you said like, you know, when you feel really good about something. Um, I was in school and I was loving it. Like Mm -hmm. I, I loved what I was learning. I was enjoying it, but it was getting to be really, really difficult balancing work and balancing school and trying to study because it is, I was surprised. I'm still surprised at how surprised I was at how intense it was because I had Mm -hmm. done kinesiology. I had this idea that it was going to be easy. I did air quotes, by the way, for those of you who are listening. I thought it was going to be easier than it was. And so I, I was I was taken back a little bit by how much I actually did have to focus. And there was a point where I remember actually speaking to Mark and saying, I don't think I should do this right now. I don't think that I can handle school and work and that, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. I think I need to take a break and maybe stop with massage school and come back to it at a different time. And he was like, are you kidding? He was when you're talking to people and you tell them what you do for a living, But then you tell them that you're training to become a massage therapist. He's like, you go from like gray to like bright. Like you're so excited about the Mm -hmm. idea of doing massage therapies. Like if you need to quit something, you need to quit your job.
2: Yeah. Like (laughs) fucking right. Okay. No refocus. All right, Amanda, get back in there. Yeah, exactly. I have no thoughts of, (laughs) I mean, do I get overwhelmed sometimes? Yes like i said like last week i just hated the world but i knew that i knew that that's the good thing about me going into the prayer i knew that it was going to be this intense and knowing that i think i can i have a better control over it that's good you're one of the few
1: unicorns we've met that actually knew what to expect going in i feel like even therapists now say like
0: i didn't know it was going to be like this Did Kikawa tell you that oh, it's was yeah. going to be intense oh yeah did the other school that you originally enrolled at tell you that it was going to be intense yep
2: okay that's yeah. good that's they're very good. open about that um they're very very open and they bit like when i enrolled into kikawa um he basically said he's like why don't you just do the fast track get it done over with you know you have a background in it it'll probably be a little bit more manageable for you but he's like you're not gonna have a life like, you're yeah. literally not going to have a life. I appreciated that. Like, I appreciated it. He wasn't a salesman. He's like, it's, it's going to be hard. You're going to be overwhelmed. You're going to regret your decision.
3: <laughs> and that is
2: normal. That is normal. One of the teachers actually kind of based massage school as, um, like the stages as pregnancy. <laughs> she Yeah. She was like, okay, you know, when you find out you're pregnant, you're really excited and you're motivated and you want to do everything right. And, and then six weeks in, you start throwing up. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so check, check. Exactly. She's <laughs> like, then you're a couple months in, you're not feeling good. You're feeling sick. What have I done? Oh my God. Was this the right decision? Decision, and then you get into the second trimester where everything is just like, okay, good. Mm. I'm getting you bigger. You got your
1: flow. I go, you
2: got Energy's your flow. Back. Yeah. yeah. Um, and everything is just kind of okay. And then by the end of your third, tri- you hit the third trimester and you're just fucking over it. Yep. Get this baby out. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, Let's just get registered. And I see the stages. I see that we're now hitting that second trimester. Where we were like, okay, we got this. We got a good handle of it. But we all, some of us had that point. I was having anatomy nightmares for fuck's sakes. Like, I don't even know. I was waking up in the middle of the night thinking of all the bone markings and everything. And then, but now I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think once we get to the end of it, we're going to be like, okay, we're fucking over it. So done. Yeah. Let's just get That is probably one of the best analogies I have ever heard. Mm. Yeah. It was awesome. And it totally makes sense. Because we see the girl, the the, class, the second years that are about to graduate, and like that, that's that is yeah. what I see right now. And then you get that certificate, and it's your baby. Yeah, yeah. I'm already thinking about the Oscars, and I shouldn't be. I'm already like so nervous about it. <laughs> but yeah, were you a very like type A type of personality before doing this? I'm both, to be honest with you. I'm type A, type B. I think having a little bit of both is is totally fine totally fine um I think I'm professional I'm I work really hard but at the same time I'm also pretty relaxed about it too you seem very relaxed
1: actually you don't have yeah. a very uptight energy which is why I asked if you were type A because some of the things you've said about you know like having this uh mentality of being hard on yourself and your study habits like you seem very but I think that comes with as you said being a mature student like you've done the career thing already you see this light at the end of the tunnel you're thinking about the OSCEs. you see the the labor and delivery part, yeah, <laughs> of yeah, yeah, happening, and so <laughs> you can be more the focused. Light at the,
2: end. the light at the end light. of the tunnel, yeah. yeah. And one of the reasons why certain places didn't work out for me because it was very Type A. I am not like not like that at all. I can be organized. I can be a disaster too. <laughs> but when I really want something, it sticks with me forever. But yeah, massage school, It honestly, it's it's a lot more intense than what people believe.
0: Any uh, particular field of interest when you're finished school, you've got your papers, you're registered with the college, anything else that you want to throw into the mix?
2: Definitely want to get into sports massage, but you mean after? Like if I want to continue anything after, is that what you... Yeah.
0: Or any certain modalities and stuff that you might want to dabble into once you're finished.
2: Yeah, like what type of therapist do you see yourself being? Is it sports massage that's... Definitely sports. Yeah. Definitely going to be a sports massage. Do I see myself in a spa? Uh, I don't know. Do I see myself working for a sports team? I see myself doing that more than anything.
0: This is exactly what I was talking about. With we had MJ, a, we, had, yeah. we had someone on here the other day and mm-hmm. her name is MJ. She she now owns a nail salon mm-hmm. but
1: she... she's worked with olympic athletes she's worked with the calgary flames she was a traveling um trainer for mm-hmm. for as a massage therapist but she worked with all of these athletes and she walked away from it oh, and really? mark mark's jaw hit the floor like well, what, what do, do you
0: mean cuz she walked away from it because She felt like it it was just too physically demanding for her. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, fuck, that makes no fucking sense to me. Like I I know people that are, and you strike me as one of them, that would kill for these types of opportunities. And you Mm -hmm. won't let it go for whatever reason. If it feels physically over-demanding, guess what? I'm going to make sure I can make myself do this somehow. Whatever I have to do to myself to keep up with the physical demands of this job, I'm going to do it. Because this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime dream job. For some
1: people. And for MJ, it wasn't it. And she's so happy now with what she's doing and walked away. But if you want it that bad, as we were just saying, no matter what, if it's it's killing you, if you've got carpal tunnel, you'll figure out a way to make it work. You'll, you'll narrow your focus and you'll figure it out. For her, she was totally okay with, you know what, I did this. It was a great experience. I'm dying physically I'm gonna step back, and she went into spa. She went into spa. Yeah. Does
2: she do still do therapy or?
1: Uh, no. Now she owns. She's a esthetician and owns nail salons. Okay. She walked away from therapy altogether because it, it just became too
2: taxing for her. And that happens, mm. and that's okay. But for me, like I see myself doing that. I also see myself. Um, Or at least I really want to, not so much a teacher, but running some sort of course Mm -hmm. or being a supervisor and guiding massage therapist. Honestly, it's it's really
1: rewarding to do that. I mean, we've both, Mark was a massage therapy instructor for eight years. I've done clinic supervision. We teach continuing education. And I don't think that I know more than massage therapists, but what I do know, and I do know well... I like to teach that to other people. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not, I I don't know. That's one of my favorite parts of being a therapist, even with my own clients. I love being able to teach them um, remedial exercise and self-care and what they can do when they're not seeing me. Like it's, that's probably one of my favorite parts about being a therapist is teaching everybody else everything I know. Yeah.
2: And I, you know what, honestly, I'm not going to be that person that's going to have one place to go to. I'm going to be that therapist that's going to be everywhere. I'm going to be a part of this. Like, I just, I've always been that way, right? Even when I did have a full-time job, I was doing something else on the side. I was, you know, um, a professional makeup artist on the weekends while running a clinic. And I would teach an evening class here. I've always been that person. Mm -hmm. And I just... That's probably just how it's going to be. Well, like you said, you're still probably going to continue with training. You love personal Mm -hmm. training. This is
1: not a career shift. This is an extension. Mm -hmm. So you'll train, you'll teach, you'll treat.
2: Maybe you'll have a podcast. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. I think right now, having a podcast is, there's so many out there. And you have to do really well for it to be noticed.
0: Audio suddenly got hot. I wonder
2: why that is. Uh.
0: Because video is saturated, video takes commitment, blogging takes commitment. Like, for when blogs were, were, were the biggest thing. You know, I have to sit there and commit time to read a blog. Yeah. I have to sit there and commit time to watch a video. And video is super saturated. It's easy to get lost in a sea of videos. Mm-hmm. And then now audio is the next kind of biggest thing because and you it's can passive. get lost There's...
1: in this too, but yeah, it's, it's well, passive. I mean, you, we... can,
0: you can listen to a podcast when you're doing anything. It's passive. There's no commitment involved, right? I don't have to devote any time to it. I put in my headphones and I, I jump yeah. on the bus. But um, yeah, I think we got into it at the right time with the content that we do. I think we, I think we just right ahead of that, a ton of massage therapists doing stuff, Massage Therapy Canada and their podcast.
2: Honestly, I love what you guys do, and one of the reasons that got me doing this is because it's, people are so unaware of what massage therapists actually do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it seems to be a theme that we talk about a lot on here. Is yeah, what the the conceptions and misconceptions
0: of RMTs. And that's what makes ours different too, because it's real. Like it's not sugar-coated. It's just kind of raw and pure. It's not like, let's make the profession look a certain way, right? Let's all talk this way and sound this way. No, I fucking swear. And sometimes I don't like treating these particular people or I find myself in these weird situations. And that's the reality of working in this field. Yeah. Versus another podcast you might listen to when it's all like – Overly shiny and, oh, thank you. That was such a great question. Mm-hmm. Let me let me hear your answer. Oh, that was such a, a lovely answer. Like, no one fucking talks like that. It's not yeah. real. So I think that's a big part of people why this podcast. People love realness.
3: Yes. People
2: love realness. Yes. When they see the true you and you're just being yourself, people love it. And I find more and more now people really see through bullshit
1: <laughs> quicker than anything. Yeah, and it's part of even what we teach in, like, our marketing courses, too, is that there's been a huge shift in Uh, marketing and advertising, where, you know, there's no more of these, like, make everything shiny and loud and bright. It's about showing, like, being somewhat transparent and showing people what your product or service can do for them and making them envision using it. You know, like, Mm -hmm. one of the example we use in one of the courses is Ikea. You watch an Ikea commercial, and they're never focused on a particular product they have. They're not even focused on a sale. It's like this room with this family all enjoying everything together and, like, living in this home with all of the Ikea furniture in the background and, you know, their slogans being for the home. And it's, yeah, people want to see real genuine stuff. And
0: so, yeah, when it comes to anything, the videos, the podcast, just being yourself. Well, even in, even in audio format, it's even, it's, it's even more than that. When someone listens to you and there's no other distractions, there's not a visual distraction, but it's just audio. And you are just genuine, then, they get to feel like they get to know you mm-hmm. right it even translates differently on video even if you're doing the exact same thing on video mm-hmm. if we were watching us do this it's a whole different ball game psychologically than just putting us in our ears at some point your instructors whoever told you about this podcast mm-hmm. feel like they know us a little bit mm-hmm. yeah and then we step away from the the fake stuff because we're not script. like what are we going to talk about i don't know let's just start talking let's see what happens yeah, yeah. right
1: <laughs> we're and- literally having a podcast talking about having a podcast. (laughs) Well,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I was like walking and I'm like, oh, I heard people like prepare for podcasts and I have gotten nothing.
0: Some people do. Mm -hmm. We don't. We actually encourage our guests, do not prepare. Yeah. We'd rather have just kind of genuine reactions, conversations to stuff.
1: And, you know, even the people who were not responsive or receptive to that idea initially, who were like, what do you mean? Like, you know, let me send you an outline or whatever. Once we got them in here and just started talking, they were just able to flow and speak and some of our best guests were ones that were so nervous beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then once they got into their rhythm, we just sat back and let them talk. And it was incredible. But it's
0: actually really funny to hear the transition of when they're like trying to be prim and proper and I'm professional, my tie is straight. And we we get into it a little bit and they let their hair down. And then suddenly it becomes... Interesting. Yeah, it wasn't interesting before, but now you're a real fucking person. Now yeah. you're fucking interesting. Before you were a robot. <laughs> I'm a robot. And you know,
1: as I'm... massage therapists, since a, I think a drive for a lot of therapists, and I think you may have even said it, is working with people. Mm-hmm. So I think massage therapists appreciate pr- a <laughs> that's a real word <laughs> appreciate genuineness and realness because. Yeah. Our majority of our job is connecting with people, right? Yeah. That's what we do. Sure, we're doing the manual therapy, but it really is more about connecting with a person.
0: So So then both of you. Tell me your definition of professional in this field. Well let's let Natalia go first.
2: I do I have yeah. I have a definition. What does it
0: mean but... to be professional as a massage therapist?
2: I don't have a definition. I'm not very good at giving definitions, but I'll give you an example, being sure. on time for your client, being ready for your client. Not you know, letting your client be, letting them talk to you, but don't talk to them They're about your personal problems. Um, I try to do that with my clients, my personal training clients. And just honestly, just showing up and showing that you care. That's it. Being late, is unacceptable unless Mm -hmm. you know something happens Mm -hmm. communicate whatever making sure that you are there to help them there's progression anything to do with physical there has to be progression period like period if there's no progression you're not doing something (laughs) i don't know how you guys think i honestly feel that you don't have to cure the person you're not going to but there has to be some sort of progression yeah something's gotta be
0: positive in this situation yeah, okay, I get it.
2: Um, But honestly, just just literally showing up for your clients. I like that. I'll tell you why I like that after I hear yours.
1: OK, well, I would agree with that showing up. Um, And the only thing I would add is what we were just talking about, just being real. Like my clients, there's never any bullshit between us. If I am running late, let's say something happened. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a baby at home. Something happens with the baby and I'm going to be late. I communicate with this person. Yeah. I come in, thank you for waiting. I And I still make sure they get their full treatment. And when I come in here, it's just being present with that person, as you said, just showing up. So regardless of what I just came from, so let's say I was 10 minutes late because of a whole shitstorm that happened at home. Once I get here, that's left outside and I'm just here for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, What's going on with you? Let's figure this out. And I think that the clients who have stuck with me over the last eight years have stuck with me because they know when they come in here, they are my priority in that Mm -hmm. moment. So that's professional. It's not what I'm wearing. It's not how I'm speaking to them. It's not. It's just let me do what you you need me to do, yeah. And so when it comes to progression, sometimes that progression is only something as simple as they came in here very stressed out, and I was able to take that shit off their plate for yeah. the time they were with me, and make them feel a little bit better. And then, you know, we go from there. But That's progression. Th- that's progression. But exactly. thank
0: you, because it has nothing to do with the fucking way you look, what you wear, yep. whether I'm pierced or tattooed. No. The, the the tone of my voice and the language of which I, I speak to people has nothing to do with any of that shit. It has no. everything to do with what you guys said. Yeah. And I hate this old school dinosaur way of thinking. Very professional. You have to be in sound and act like the Fuck it. You obviously don't understand any concept of personal brands, company brand, all of this stuff that is so important to create a thriving business in this type of field mm-hmm. in this day and age. Yeah, That's what well, I have to say you, to you, all want you, your...
3: dinosaurs.
1: <laughs> you want your people to be comfortable with you. And how are you going to be comfortable with somebody if they're speaking down to you, right? Which is what it can sound like when somebody's overly trying to act professional, right? That's yeah. the difference between medical doctors I've seen in the past and the practice I go to now. I, mm-hmm. it, it's, I have one particular doctor there. That's my, uh, GP, but she works with a whole team of doctors. So if there's a day that I need to go in as like an uh, emergency appointment, um, I'll see whichever practitioner is available. And one of them is, it just reminded me, as Mark was saying, piercings and tattoos. She's got a tongue ring and a tattoo sleeve. There's no part of me that feels like she cannot perform her duties as a medical doctor because of a tongue ring and a tattoo sleeve. And she's fabulous and she's real. And I go in there and I feel very comfortable with her and I can have a conversation and tell her what's going on. And so, I mean, that's what I think of when I think of professional. It is nothing, there's no like solid definition. It's just make sure that the people that are coming to see you are getting what they
2: expect and what you are supposed to be providing for them. Yeah. And I've had those people, I've been around those people that have that dinosaur mentality where you talk to them and it's like a glaze over their eyes. They're not absorbing anything. Mm -hmm. They're there just to get a paycheck. Whereas for me as a trainer, I go there and seeing changes in their body makes me happy. Seeing that I relieved pain in my friend yesterday mm-hmm. makes me happy mm-hmm. and it is about them within that hour, it is about that. That's it. Done. That's, that's for me, that's professionalism. Right on, man. Oh, yeah. I'm
0: excited to see where, where this field takes you. Please, please stay in touch because yeah. I'm curious as to where you're going to end up going with it.
1: And then you can come back on as not a yeah. student massage therapist, but <laughs> as a colleague, RMT with us. Yeah. So there'll be three RMTs and
2: a microphone. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to see where this is going to lead me. And I, I I'm not even going to plan it, to be honest with you. I'm just going to let Things kind of just roll. Yep.
1: Opportunities will come to you if you're open to them, right? So exactly. See what happens. And exactly. I think I think you're going to love it. Well, you already know you're going to love it. So you're ready. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for hanging out on our couch. Thank you. Well, you guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.